Okay, so let's just quickly get to the word. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 3 John verse 2. It has only one chapter, so we'll just do verse 2. 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I pray. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. I'll read that again. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. This is John, the disciple of Jesus, who wrote this verse and he is saying that all may go well with you. How many of you want things to go well with you? And, and you want to live in good health. But he's saying, I pray that all may go well with you. I pray that you will find success. I pray that you will find prosperity. I pray that everything, you know, may go well with you and you be in good health as it goes well with your soul. You know, when, when he is writing this, the disciple of Jesus, John, who literally walked with Jesus, right? He's... He's the much older version of himself and he's writing this. And he's telling, he's, he's actually writing to an elder, to a, to a church elder whose name is Gaius and he's writing his pearls of wisdom and he says, Hey guys, if you want to find real success and if you really want to live healthy, you have to find prosperity here in your soul. You know, your soul health is much important than whatever you find externally, right? So he says, you know, he says that soul prosperity, yeah, the health of the soul is more important than what happens externally. If the health of the soul is healthy, if your soul is healthy, then your body is also healthy. What is the soul? Your soul is what you think, you know, your, your thoughts, your emotions, where you think, where you feel, your heart and mind is your soul. And God is very concerned about what happens in your soul. So I'm going to interchange soul and heart, okay? The series is, today we are going to start a new series, it's called the Heart Series, and we're going to talk a lot about, you know, what go happens in our heart, right? What happens with our emotions, what we think, you know, our thoughts and emotions. You know, uh, science says that mind is 95% subconscious mind, which is our emotional heart, and only 5% the conscious mind, which we think. 95% we don't even know what goes in there only you know situations and circumstances tells us what goes in there but most of it the conscious mind is just 5% but God today is concerned about what goes in our heart you know Proverbs 4 verse 23 Proverbs 4 verse 23 says like this keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life what does it say? guard your heart Guard your heart because it is out of that heart your life flows out of. Just imagine with me, okay? You woke up, you woke up one morning and you're super happy, right? You're super happy. For some reason you're happy, okay? Maybe the moment you woke up you saw a message and it says that your salary was credited to your account. You, Man, this is a good day, right? And then when you get into your car, you know, everything feels so good. You're seeing the beautiful sunrise. Everybody seems so nice. Everybody is smiling at you. The whole day looks so beautiful, right? But compared to that, you woke up one day and you realize, man, I have 
such a huge bill to pay, huh? electricity bill to pay. And you're still wondering, where, where will I pay this money from? And then you sit in the car, the whole day looks so gloomy. Somebody cuts you, you're like, <laughs> right? So out of your heart flows life. What you're experiencing life is just a reflection of your heart. You know, we, you know we, we just want to blame people. We want to blame circumstances. We want to blame God. We want to blame everybody around us. My day was not good because, oh, because so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. My circumstances were bad. We just want to blame other people. But this verse says, guard your heart. Your heart is the wellspring of life. What you experience as life is just a reflection of what is happening inside of you. That's why Jesus says in John 17, 3, knowing God, knowing the Father is eternal life. Because when you know Him internally, when you know Him with your heart, my goodness, you experience eternal life, which manifests even in the outside. So God is concerned about your heart. My friends, God is concerned about what you feel. God is concerned about what goes in your mind. He's very much concerned. You know, we are living in an age where mental health is such a big deal, right? Such a big deal. We are no longer just living to survive, right? But mental health is such a big deal. We see especially people who are successful, they are like committing suicide and struggling through depression. And you know what? God is interested in our mental health. God is interested in our soul. Because... It's the health of the soul that will define the health of our life. Health of our soul. So this is important. You know, salvation has been done, is being done, and is going to be completed, right? It's past, present, future, right? So salvation can be divided in three phases, which is justification, which God has already taken care of on the cross, where the consequence of sin was dealt with, then sanctification, where we are right now, where God is delivering our soul from the power of sin, and glorification, where finally our bodies will also be saved from sin, where our bodies will be saved from the presence of sin. Amen? But right now, see, right now, what God is doing in our lives is to deliver us from the power of sin. Sin has a power over our lives. And God is saying, because of what He has done 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus, that He has absolutely, perfectly justified us, because of that, sin has no hold over our lives. But the thing is, we are still beginning to try to comprehend what He did 2,000 years ago. The so sanctification is just beginning to understand what God has already completed 2,000 years ago. Right? That's why God is so interested. God is so much heavily invested in our lives so that our souls are healthy. Because if you think about what is sin, sin is anything that separates us from God. Why do we go through depression? Why do we go through hopelessness? Why do we feel lonely? Because in that very moment when we are feeling these emotions, we think that God does not exist. We, we are hopeless because we think of a future where we think that God does not exist and that future does not exist because is there any future that exists without God? But we feel these emotions because 
you know, the devil and his tactics are to lie to us, to make us bow down to these emotions and thoughts so that he can convince you that God does not exist. But God is interested in our, in our mind and our hearts, what goes in our mind and our hearts. You know, do you know what is the most important parable in the Bible? All the parables are important, but do you know what's the most important? Uh, it, it is a parable of the sower. Okay, Luke chapter 8. So come with me to Luke chapter 8. Parable of the sower is the most important one. You know why? Because Jesus says, Jesus says this specifically after saying this parable. He says, if you don't understand this parable, you will not understand any parable. So this is a key parable, you know, that opens up all the other parables, okay? So Luke chapter 8, parable of the sower, is the most important parable. And I know that you are very familiar with this parable, so I am not going, I'm, I'm not going to go in detail, but I'm going to just touch a couple of verses. So if you, if you will, just read Luke chapter 8, verse 5 with me. Luke chapter 8, verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. So this is a very common parable, right? Very common parable that talks about a sower that is going out to sow the seed, and these seeds fall in different grounds. Some fall in, you know, on the path, some fall on the rocky ground, some fall among thongs, and then some fall among good soil. Based on what soil they fall, different results is achieved, right? Now, I just want you to focus on the first one. The first one is, verse 5 says, the sower went out to sow the seed and what happens is, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. So there was no fruit. Why? Because it fell along the path, the birds of the air ate it. So there was no fruit. Okay. Now the meaning of this parable is in verse, meaning of this soil is in verse 11 which says, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. What is the seed? The word of God. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So if the seed is the word of God, what is the soil? The soil is our heart. Right? The soil is our heart. So if the seed is the word of God, the soil is our heart. The ones along the path are those who have heard. They have heard the word. But what has happened? The devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So I used to ask myself, how can the devil take away the word? How can the devil take away something that, you know, you have heard? The key is, this heart is a heart that has been offended. How do I know this? I know this because when I compare it with the second soil, which says verse 12, uh, verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. The first one, they received it, but they did not receive it with joy. They were offended for some reason. You know, you know how the devil can snatch away the word from your life? is when you've heard the word, but you were offended. You are offended by God. You are offended by people. For some reason you are offended. The devil is able to snatch away that word from your heart. That's the first condition of the soil. And I'm saying offense is such a, you know, offense is a poison that you take expecting the other person to suffer. 
offense is so bad because it stops you from producing any fruit in the Lord. It stops you from letting the word take any root in your life. And if the word does not take any root, there is no fruit. See, you can't produce the fruit. It is the word of God that produces the fruit. The the power in the seed is the one that causes the seed to grow fruit. Right? We can't produce a fruit. All that we can do is just hear the word. But the condition of the heart matters. If the condition of the heart is offended, the devil will come and snatch it away. That's why, you know, Paul says, you know, whatever you sow, you reap. You sow negative stuff in your heart, you reap negative. Okay, let's let's read that was Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 to 8. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 to 8. Galatians 6 verse 7 to 8. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Why? For whatever one sows, that he also will reap. What you sow is what you'll reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. What you sow is what you reap. Your heart is like a soil. You know, so if you're wondering why you're feeling this today, if you're wondering why you're having negative thoughts, because sometime along in the past, you allowed those things to be sowed into your life. Sometime along in the past, you heard stuff that you were not supposed to hear. You entertained stuff that you were not supposed to entertain. And now you're just reaping what you sowed. So today is the day, you know, like, Alvin was saying, today is the day of salvation. Today you hear the right word so that you can reap tomorrow better fruit. You can reap eternal life. I want to show you how an offended heart is such a powerful, it's such a powerful negative thing. Okay, I want to show you a couple of verses from Proverbs. Our King Solomon, the wisest king, he says this. Okay, Proverbs 18 verse 19. I'll not wait for you. If you want, you can write the passages, but I'm just going to read through. Proverbs 18 verse 19 says, A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. Okay, let's see. Proverbs 19 verse 11. It says, Good sense makes one slow to anger and it is glory to overlook an offense. Whenever you overlook an offense, it is glory. Proverbs 27, verse 5 to 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. <laughs> Better is open rebuke. Now do you feel the love? <laughs> Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. But we don't like this. We don't like being offended, right? We don't like hearing stuff. We don't like confrontation. We don't like people telling us things. Proverbs 10 verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Offense is the opposite of love. Proverbs 20 verse 3. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Every fool will be quarreling. See, an offended heart produces bitterness. Offended heart stops you from receiving God's word. Offended heart 
gives the devil the permission to snatch away the word from your heart. You might be coming to the church receiving the same things that everybody is receiving, but because of what is happening in your heart, the results are different. Yeah? It happens all the time to us. You know, that's why that's why I really encourage you know all of us when we come you know when we come for sunday service or we come for we go for any bible study or you know just getting prepared to listen to any sermon or listen to the word of god you know get prepared in your heart you know ask the lord to open your heart you know so that you know you, you don't put you don't put seed in a dry ground right what do you do you 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 add fertilizers you 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 wet the ground you make the ground prepared just like that you can ask god to prepare your hearts because we can't change our hearts if we could we could have done it such a long time ago we can't that's why we pray so that you know god can change our hearts oh lord please change my heart so sit with a prayerful attitude come prepared you know just you know how many of you go to weddings just like that you know you wear whatever you want wearing you know your pjs and just just go for a wedding you don't do that there's a preparation that goes behind it right especially if if it is somebody who's very close to you for their wedding my goodness you prepare for so many hours you go to the saloon you know you you prepare yourself some people do it otherwise also but i'm saying you know for special weddings you take special care proper care and i'm saying when we come to the house of god shouldn't we prepare ourselves more so that so that you know we prepare our hearts we allow god to you know change our hearts so that when we receive god's word it goes deep within and it brings forth fruit offense offense is very powerful guys why do we get offended you know why we get offended i was thinking about this guys you know what i don't like preaching this message okay because this is very difficult okay i tried i tried i tried to prepare something else but the lord kept coming back at it okay i don't like preaching this message but understand this is important for us okay why do we get offended you know why we get offended we get offended because of our pride we get offended because there was something that we were expecting to happen and it did not happen you're like what man you know sometimes it's with god you want to take a stone and you know throw at him right we we wouldn't say that but that's what's happening in our heart sometimes it's with our fellow believers it's with our brothers and sisters our parents you know our circumstances we're like oh why it's pride it's ego it's ego that causes offense so i want to show you a story from the old testament done this but i'll quickly tell you the story it's a story of naaman who is a syrian commander who is struggling through leprosy right naaman he is trying to cover up his leprosy and there's this israel uh, there's a servant girl from israel who tells naaman hey you know what we have a prophet back there in our home you go to the prophet he'll probably heal you so he goes he prepares everything you know he prepares this entire chariots and army and he goes to israel and you know he, he go what he does is he does not go to the prophet he goes to the king of israel okay the funny thing is if you read second kings 5 or 6 naaman when he arrived in israel at the king's palace the king of israel loses his mind okay the king of israel really goes bonkers this is why because naaman had a letter when when the king of israel read that letter it said like this when this letter reaches you know that i have sent to you naaman my servant that you may cure him of his leprosy so this king of israel he goes crazy are you crazy am i god that i can heal this guy 
So the king of Israel thought that the Syrian king is trying to, you know, ploy some strategy so that, you know, they could just start a war. So the, the Israel king lost his mind. He tore his clothes and he's like, he's very upset. When prophet Elisha hears about this, prophet sends a word to the king, send him to me. So Naaman goes to the prophet, right? When he's going to the prophet, they are at the doorstep. Elisha does not meet him. Elisha sends a servant saying, tell Naaman to take clean himself seven times in the Jordan River. Now when Naaman hears this, he gets really angry. Okay, he gets offended. Let's read that verse. Verse 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 11 and verse 12. It says, Behold, I thought, his expectation, okay? Behold, I thought, this is Naaman saying, I thought that he would surely come out to me. How many of you get offended because the pastor does not come and meet you? So this guy, same guy, okay, same, same problem. Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. He expected Elisha to come and, you know, wave his hand. He expected that. That was what was happening in his mind. And then he says, Are not Abana and Farfa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? What is he talking about? What is Elisha talking about? It does not make sense to him. More than that, he is so offended because he had this whole expectation that the prophet will come and, you know, he'll do something and Naaman would get to say, hey, you know what, you cured me, so here's my gifts. But the prophet was not for money. He was not for sale. It just shows the condition of Naaman. He's offended because he was expecting something. You know, it's the pride, it's the ego that really offends our heart. You know, a lot of times, I am really bad at counseling, okay? I, I think I'm bad at counseling because I can't empathize a lot, okay? So when people tell me stuff, I'm like, God, again, such a victim, victim of everything. <laughs> See, we want to be victims, right? Think about it. We want to be victims. Every time, it's so easy to be victims. You know, these circumstances, I'm a victim of the circumstances. I'm a victim of my boss. I'm a victim of my workplace. I'm a victim of, because Delhi is so hot. And we, we want to be victim of everything. But do you know, James says that every sin happens not because God has tempted you. Every sin happens because of a desire that has gone wrong. It's because of wrong desires that we have. And why do we have wrong desires? It is because it is coming from a place of pride and ego. It's ego that we, we care more about ourselves than we care about other people. We care more about ourselves that separates us from people and God. It's coming from a place of ego and that's why we get offended. We get offended so easily. Yeah. Can you relate with that? So how do you overcome offense? How do you overcome offense? First one is Galatians 2.20. Overcoming offense. Galatians 2.20. Paul says like this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
how do you overcome offense first thing is kill your ego because that's how you began your journey in Christ by killing your ego the word i over there which says i have been crucified with christ and it is no longer i who live the word over there is ego your ego has been crucified with christ you know when christ died on the cross he did not just die for you he died as you you and me died with him our ego was dealt then and there on the cross so live as if your ego is dead because that's the truth live you know you know why in 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 the trinity you know god the father god the son god the spirit there's so much of love and there's so much of you know uh, this uh, respect and there's this there's this dynamic you know expression of outpouring of sacrificial love do you know why because they don't have ego they don't have ego you want to experience love you have to kill your ego we have to live each day killing our ego because that is what jesus died on the cross when he died he died as you your ego was dealt on the cross killing your ego how to overcome offense kill your ego second first corinthians chapter 12 was 26 and 27 first corinthians chapter 12 was 26 and 27 If one member suffers all suffer together if one member is honored all rejoice together now you are the body of Christ individually members of it what paul is saying is that we are all members of the same body I mean some of you are hands some of your feet some of you are the heart some of your kidneys but we are all members of the same body now just just imagine with me okay you're walking down the road you stumble and fall does your hand take a huge stone and hit your leg because your feet stumbled you do that then why do we do that with each other why do we do that with our brothers and sisters when we are members of the same body if any member gets hurt it hurts the entire body hurts the entire body see you know what in the church we don't have this revelation yet we're still trying to grasp this idea that we are members of the same body if we had this revelation we will never get offended by each other and at the same time we will never hurt each other because any one member gets hurt the entire body suffers do you think like i'm just going a little side track if you think that this is your struggle so you can keep yourself in isolation because nobody is going to understand and this is your struggle let me tell you when you are struggling the entire body is struggling is when a member is hurt everybody struggles with that we are members of the same body so let's love one another you know when the feet stumble and fall the hand is it's okay okay i feel it too okay understanding that we are members of the same body finally the third point first john chapter 2 was 15 and 16 first john chapter 2 was 15 and 16 do not love the world or the things in the world If anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the father but is from the world 
What John is saying is, you're really struggling through offense, if you're struggling through pride, if you're struggling through ego, it just means that the love of the Father is not in you. It does not say the love for the Father. It says the love of the Father is not in you. What that means is that you don't know at this moment how much God loves you. You know it as a concept, but you don't experience it as a reality. When you don't experience it as a reality, you feel separated from God. And because you feel separated from God, you know, all these issues, the desires of the flesh, the desires of eyes and pride of life, they, they grasp you, they grip you. Because you don't know how deeply you are loved by the Father. John is saying, hey, the Father loves you so deeply. And this is love. Not that you loved God. But God sent His Son for you. This is love. This is how you define love. He died for you. Today be assured that you are loved by the Father. Because it is in knowing how much the Father loves us that we are like, oh man, how can I, how can I bring my ego to such a person who was on the cross, who was beaten, who was stripped, who was whipped, and yet He said, Father, forgive them, but they do not know what they are doing. How can you bring an ego to such a person? How can you bring your ego to someone who has given everything that he has to you? When you encounter somebody's love like that, how can you bring your ego? It's like, it's like you know, me bringing my a small Honda Jazz in front of somebody who's willing to offer me a BMW. It's like that, you know. How do I do that? You know, you can only crucify your ego when you see how much the Father loves you. Your father's love for you is much greater than your ego. Your ego is nothing. You're willing to lay down on that altar and say, Oh, I offer myself as a living sacrifice. How do you do that? Is in view of the father's love for you. You know, Paul says in Romans 12, verse, uh, Romans 12 verse 1, he says, You know, I beseech you, brethren, in view of God's offer, you know, in view of God's mercy, present yourselves as living sacrifices because this is holy and acceptable unto God. And I always ask myself, how do you present yourself as living sacrifices? Who wants to be like Isaac, right? Right? When when his father is willing to kill him, he willingly he says, Okay, Father, bind me, you know, put me on the altar, I'm ready to die. Who does that? Nobody does that. It's very difficult for you and me to do that. Maybe on a Sunday morning when you are high on a worship song. Maybe then. Otherwise, how do you do it? Especially when circumstances are like gripping you, killing you, trying to come against you. How do you do that? You know, the key is, he says, I beseech you, brethren, in view of God's mercy. That's the key. When you view God's mercy, when you view God's love for you, man, you're like, oh, Father, you know what? Here's my life. Take it away. I don't care. I don't care about my ego. I don't care about my pride. Because your love, your love is so much better. Your love is so much greater than anything that I can care about. Let God's love fill your lives. Let God's love fill our hearts. Let it transform us today. You know, that's why we pray. You know, I, I, I'm, 
I really wish that we as a church, we as the local body of Christ, that we will spend more time in prayer, not just so that we can change God's heart and get what we want, but so that God can change our hearts and we can, you know, flow from that place of being loved, being loved, being loved. Oh, for the Father says, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Oh, so that you can hear the Father say that I deeply love you I just don't want to hear it as a head knowledge I don't want to hear it as a concept but I want to experience it as a reality because it is God's love that can transform my life God's love that can change me offended heart is powerful offended heart is indeed powerful but there's nothing powerful than the love of the Father there's no offense the love of the Father cannot overcome. No offense. Come on, just close your eyes with me. If there's unforgiveness in your heart against anybody, if there's, if there's anything that is unsettled in your life, just take a moment and just say, Father, I receive your love. Ah, I want to be humble and I just receive your love. I don't want to hold this against you or anybody, I just receive your love. Father, we thank you for this word. Thank you that you are interested in how we feel and what we think. We thank you for you are the one who is working in our hearts and our minds. You're the one who is working in our soul and you're, you're leading us with such gentleness. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your grace. We thank you. Thank you for reminding us today of what you have done on the cross and that is just a beginning of how much you want to express your love towards us. Father, we just, just receive your love. We receive this word in all humility. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.